Ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so much for joining us live. If you're listening here on Facebook, this is the Voice of Reason podcast. My name is Sean Phillips, joined alongside one of my co-hosts, Mr. Andy Van Beber. And today we've got a special guest, Mr. Sean Yates. Sean, how are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Relaxing in the study room at school. So doing well. Nice. Andy, how are you doing? Hey, man. We survive. We sur- Should we mark our, our Facebook status as survive the great Facebook outage of 2021? Yes, yes, we are here, uh, <laughs> loud and proud, and thank God, because it's the only, uh, you know, live streaming service we've got going right now, so we'll, we'll take another us back up today. We get, we're getting feedback somewhere. I don't know where we're getting it from. Is it, we're getting it from me? Oh. We're getting it from me. Oh, oh I'm the culprit. I'm ah, the culprit. Son of a bitch. <laughs> it's me. Ah. I was the one. Wow. Well, while he figures his life out, I'd like to give a quick shout out. Uh, this episode of the Voice of Reason podcast is brought to you by Van Beber and Sons DJ Services. One of the best ways, if you guys are in the Pike, Lincoln County area, or spread across Missouri or Illinois, please check out Mr. Andy Van Beber and Sons DJ Services for all your DJ service needs. Bar mitzvahs, circumcisions, birthday parties, <laughs> weddings, whatever you've got going for you. Unless, uh, you know, DJ you, will take care you, of it. You know, <laughs> I, I could go without the, I think I could go without the circumcision. But mention this. That's the most important event. Right. Mention this ad and we will take 10% off of your cost. So. 10% off your DJ services. And also we are brought to you by American Traditional Coffee. Right now, if you go to americantraditionalcoffee.com, you can get 40% off your entire purchase. Right now on the website, americantraditionalcoffee.com, they've got dark roast, whole bean, uh, Brazilian, Colombian, whole bean, dark roasted coffee, a light breakfast roast that is already ground, ready to go, coffee mugs, t-shirts, all the goods uh, for your coffee needs. That's americantraditionalcoffee.com. Com. So can, can I mention though? You. Can I mention though? Yes, please. I, I I I did talk to Travis today though about you guys not being <laughs> fat guy friendly. You know. Uh, yes. You know, only going to the two XL shirt size. I was quite pissed about that because. And and I was wanting to. What answer did he give you? He said, "Hey, I'll get you hooked up." And I said, "All right." <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, like, we're, "Man, we're, we, fat we got you. Don't guy worry." Guy friendly. Well, Sean, tell us a little bit about where you're going to school at and what you're into and what's going on. All right. Well, I'm Sean Yates, for those who don't know me. Um, I went to Clopton High School, and right now I'm attending Washington University in St. Louis, uh, where I play football, and I am studying as a pre-med student. Uh, My major is undecided, but I'm minoring in anthropology and considering a minor in uh, Spanish. And you are cool. wanting, okay. and kind of what what area are you wanting you are, are thinking about focusing on? It's really a toss up right now between a few things because I love research, but also a job shadow over the summer. Um, shout out to Eric Schaefer and um, Pike Lincoln uh, Hospital in St. Louis because I'm not St. Louis, my bad, Louisiana. <laughs> but I job shadow uh, with him through physical therapy in Bowling Green and as well in. Um, orthopedics in um, Louisiana. So it actually opened up my eyes to a couple more fields um, through orthopedics. But besides that, like I said, research and then 
Um, I really like biology, so I, I don't really know yet where I'm going to go on the major track and then the med school track, but those are kind of my options I got in my mind right now. That's awesome. Thanks. And you play, uh, we were just talking about this before we came on, you play as a linebacker. You can, you actually went to school to be quarterback and you got moved <laughs> over to the other side of the ball, correct? That is correct. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a funny story because I showed up as a QB, but there were about four or five upperclassmen QBs as well as a transfer from Northwestern, who ironically is named Lloyd Yates. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that happened and they were like, well, you're a freshman QB without any experience, but we only have five corners. So why don't we try you at corner because you're doing really well in the lifts and you seem athletic. We'll try you out here. But then came scrimmage time and I had a couple big hits in the scrimmage and they're like, we like how physical you are. We like how big you're getting. Let's try you out at linebacker, outside linebacker to be more specific. We'll try you out at coverage and we like you in the box. So that's where I'm at right now. Nice. 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 That's cool. And you can uh, follow Sean uh, on WashU has a, their sports page. You can be, I've watched a couple of games. I, I think I'm kind of the curse that you were when you went to watch the St. Louis Cardinals on their winning streak Sean. So Sean goes yeah. to watch the, the St. Louis Cardinals and on their for their 18th win in a row and he shows up they they lose they lose every now Sean wins every time I don't their team wins I've only been able to watch two games and the two games that I've watched two games they've lost so I don't know whether I should watch any more games or not but uh, I am a I think I am a talisman around your neck that you need to get rid of so <laughs> Uh, it's all good. Most definitely watch the next one. We yeah. got that one. Yeah. So um, we are getting into tonight. We la we had a lot of positive feedback about our broadcast last week. About we we decided to go uh, two two parts on this uh, series we we're doing called the Vision. And last week we got a lot of positive. And again, thank you for all the comments, all the shares. We had a lot of good uh, views last week about. Um, about our our show on division and uh we wanted to go a little bit into we've and again these are issues that we've talked about before and that we've we but we want to kind of revisit this with a new set of lenses and we kind of wanted getting into the area of of race and um sean i'll just start sean yates i'll just start with you um your 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 story is kind of a little bit different in the fact that you you went to high school at Clopton, which is again, predominantly a white school, but we're, we're kind of different out there. I guess you would say, unless, you know, how could you kind of, kind of explain kind of what describe kind of what your experience was growing up in, in Clopton? Well, um, I would never like say it was anything less than a good experience, obviously. Um, it's really tough to like elaborate after being here for so long at Washington St. Louis because my I never really knew how diverse things could get and how many different viewpoints there could possibly be. Obviously at Clopton there are different viewpoints, like even politically and religiously, despite the fact that we're in a region where obviously like the political swing is towards one direction more than being split. But um, overall my experience was a good one. Like, I can't really say, like, I faced anything, like, discriminatory or nothing like that because, like, I was definitely involved in everything like, I could possibly get involved in, like, just being part of, like, through you, FBA, student council, and then uh, four sports, 
and then band as well. Just, I think being diverse across those uh, groups allowed me to reach out to a diverse group of people already. So I think it was a great experience overall. Um, and then it helped prepare me for a diverse experience that was even more variety when I came here to college. Well, that's, that was the next thing I was going to ask you. How has that, how have, how have things changed now? I mean, what's your experience like? What have you seen now? This is your sophomore year of college. Kind of give us a rundown of what you've seen as far as when you look at diversity now compared to where you grew up in a predominantly white school, how, how, how have, what are you, what are you seeing different on the college level? Well, it's, I'm seeing a lot more, not necessarily just more viewpoints, but more voices speaking up for certain topics because at WashU, there is a heavy, like, there's a big uh, Asian and Indian and Middle Eastern population. So, like, back home, obviously, national news was always, like, Black Lives Matter, uh, Black and white narrative. But here, there is that. Because, I mean, being in St. Louis and how national news and everything, obviously, there's still that. But now, since I've been at school, I never even, like, heard of Stop Asian Hate or anything like Asian uh, discrimination or had even heard of any cases like that just because, like, that wasn't on the news as much. And so, like, now I'm here. I see it on the news. I hear about it through students because I'm friends with a lot of, like, I'm roommates with a kid who's, um, he lived in Cincinnati since he was eight, but he's from China. It's so like just being around people like this more often now, a more diverse group of people. I'm hearing about different topics that I never like knew about or knew existed before. So, you know, and I've one of the things that I wanted to we're going to look at a few things tonight. Um, I kind of wonder sometimes if. And uh, Sean Phillips, you jump in on this same time. One of the things that's mm-hmm. been kind of bothering me and we we. This I I was I led into this last week. One of the things that that kind of prompted this was a report that I you know I watch. Uh, like I said, I'm kind of plugged into different. I try not to be all conservative or all. I try to get on all plugged into all s- sources. And um, I saw some headlines on Bill Maher's Real Talk last. It's well, yeah, it was last week. And I know Sean, the Sean's can't see this headline, but this was one headline that he had shared. Um, this was, oh, not this one. Sorry, wrong one there. Um, this one, these two headlines here. So one was from the National Review. This was last, or this was, I actually looked this this uh, this one up, and this one was from the National Review, and it was. Uh, let me get the right date on this. This was. This was published on September 9th. The University of Michigan-Dearborn holds a white-only virtual cafe event. Now, this is something to me that is sending us back, just to give you guys a little bit of background about this. The University of Michigan-Dearborn hosted a virtual discussion on the Tuesday the 8th. It's the dubbed it the Non-Person of Color Cafe, an event that appeared to welcome only white students ignited criticism for the school for its decision to hold an apparently segregated event. And their idea behind this was, um, where was it at? It said the virtual discussion for students of color was, uh, well, no, that's not the one I'm looking for. It was to discuss their ex- white students' experience on campus and on in a non-POC in the world. 
So do you think, I mean, guys, I mean, this is one of these things I think that we're trying, I don't know, in an attempt to move forward in progression in our, in our society, I think that we're taking steps backwards. And I, and I don't, I don't get this because another stat that I had found out, and again, here's another, this is again, for those who can't see this, but this was out of, these are NCAA, I have some stats here, out of the NCAA, now this is, I believe this was Division One and Two schools. So, Sean, this might actually, I don't know, if you, are you guys D2 or D3? We're D3. Okay, so this probably, but out of D1 and D2 schools, 42% of college campuses have segre segregated residences, 46% have segregated orientation programs, and 72%, 72% have segregated graduation ceremonies. And I, there was a point in, in Bill Maher's, and I'm not going to take credit for what he said, but he, he said, congratulations, Mom and Dad, you just paid $100,000 for your kid to graduate from Biloxi, Mississippi in 1942. And to me, that is... That is a huge step backward when we start. I mean, we want to. I don't know. Do you do you guys think that we are over? I don't know, and I I, I definitely get Sean Yates's feeling on this. I mean, as a as a person of color, do you feel that that we're going in the wrong direction with with race relations between our country? Um, so as someone who's, uh, just being biracial with a black dad and a white mom, I always try to like, look at things from both perspectives to start off with. So that, uh, school in Michigan story, mm -hmm. I could see almost, I can almost see where their, uh, intention of having that is like, okay, we don't have many white oriented groups on campus because at Wash U, I know we have a lot of black oriented groups on campus, like religious groups, athletic groups, or even just um, like minorities. Like I'm in a group called minorities, um, like pre-med students, like it's called MAPS, but it's like minority association of pre-med students. So my only thought is that they're thinking, okay, we'll do ours. However, it kind of, it kind of blurs the purpose up of what the, the black one is like the black organizations not even just black minority organizations i should say that as a better term mm -hmm. because i feel like those are more for the empowerment and for just because of like the history of minority um i don't really know how to word this right now but just the history behind uh discrimination and disempowerment mm -hmm. so that's kind of the purpose behind those whereas the white one it's kind of hard to put that purpose behind it because of the history. So that's kind of my viewpoint on this is that's why it's causing so much criticism. And, I, and that's exactly, that's exactly what I mean. You know, I, I think when we, when you have to, ha we have to have a discussion with everybody in the room. You can't just say, okay, white kids, how are you feeling about this? Okay. Black kids. And, and not to, not to forget. And I'm glad that you brought this up, Sean, is that, you know, we're, we, we don't, we don't focus on, I mean, it's just, we, we focus black, white, but I mean, you know, we had that shooting down in Atlanta over the summer that was targeting against, you know, uh, Chinese Americans, but that doesn't, you know, well, that doesn't sell to me. That's like the news says, well, that doesn't sell enough newspapers. That doesn't sell enough copy. And to me, it's, we are, 
I don't know the right way to approach this because and I want to get into critical race theory here in a little bit, but uh, Sean uh, Phillips, what do you, what, what are your thoughts here? Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually completely understand, or uh, let me rephrase that. I don't understand because uh, as a white guy with an even, even wider uh, lineage of white people that came before me. Um, <laughs> so I, I understand like, damn it. I don't understand. I see exactly why these programs are in place, right? Um, I think there's a big misconception that they are, you know, dividing or trying to kind of, you know, not include, uh, you know, in this, in most cases, like white individuals, but that's not the point. I think the point of it is to celebrate uh, and more of, of, you know, give the, give other races an opportunity to thrive and, and experience certain organizations that regardless of whether, you know, we want to admit it or not 50, 60 years ago, these are not clubs that could have existed. So, you know, I, I, I see where people are like, well, it's divide. Like what if I'm white and want to join? It's like, Hey motherfucker, you've been able to, you've been able to forever. It has never not been a thing. Like it has been a thing forever. Like when people, you know, get upset about like, uh, historically, historically black colleges or universities, um, you got to understand there was a long, long period of time where black people couldn't even go, could, couldn't even be educated, couldn't vote, couldn't legally vote. So that's why there are certain things, there are checks and balances in place now to make sure that, like you said, when we get into critical race theory, it's, it's not about like, okay, you know, I, I, I don't believe it's, I, I, it's not the whole, well, give give these things to people of, of this background now. No, it, like these are things that should be celebrated. Like when I was looking at the portfolio, like, you know, when it's talking about their segregated living, well, how, how much of that percentage is like taking it, um, you know, if there's like an all black fraternity or all black sorority, like does mm -hmm. that count as, you know, segregated living? And it's the, I, I think it's the same for, you know, the graduation. Like, look, if people of um of color or any ethnic background whatever it might be want to celebrate a graduation amongst their peers of people of diverse backgrounds that match theirs i don't I, I me personally i don't i don't see um an issue with that now but don't you there, but again there's there's muddy water when it comes to like certain things so like look at okay so and again this is a conversation that would have to happen you'd have to take it in consideration let's say um i don't know you know because it's really not that far back three four generations ago uh, let's give a huge hypothetical let's say that um i had a grandfather who slept with a black woman and there and had a mixed race child and then that child went on to continue to only have children with white people and so now i look like me however i have black ancestry and if i could prove that then where where do i fall in line you know you don't want to muddy that water. like uh like nancy pelosi being uh, a fraction of a butthole's percentage of native american and went and received a scholarship for being native like that is you know she's wider than a can of whiteout so it's just like you you have to take certain things into consideration and you know it, again then it could start to peeve a lot of people off but um 
no, I, I personally don't see issues with those things. I don't think that it's setting – I don't think it's creating more division. I think it's celebrating our diversity and just, you know um, – but to me, that, I, that's how I, I feel do, about it. But do we think though? Okay, so where is where is the div- I'm all for. You guys know my situation. I am for celebrating diversity. I mean, I have. I know I I I have two Chinese children that you guys have both watched grow up, and to me, that's special to them, and I want them to celebrate their Chinese heritage. And I also want them to recognize that they they want they need to get along they have to we have we have lost the art of how to coexist, I think. Now, I say that we at where I have where I have spent the last going on my twenty years of teach twenty years at Clopton, it's a it's kind of a unique microcosm of how I feel like things could be i I mentioned a a lady at our school and you guys know who i'm talking about we we know her as miss joanne miss joanne was part of the first non-segregated class that attended clopton in 1956 and she will tell you the story of every and every time she she tells the story of how you know when she first came in that there were that there were race issues in Louisiana, Missouri. There were race issues at Bowling Green. They had little. They had a lot of fights that broke out. She said at Clopton, she never remembered a one. But yet, you look at the bigger picture and how people. I I don't like how people automatically size somebody up, and when you walk into the room, and this is something that I've always taught some people when we walk into a room. We start looking people up and down. And if they're a different race, religion, you know, anything, we automatically get our, our, our you know, our, 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 we're already pre, we're already judging. And I, I've said this to my kids before whenever I discuss discrimination. I said, okay. And I ask kids, or I'll, I'll, I, when we discuss race in my class, I'll say, okay, so what happened? What, how would you react right now if someone came into this room with a habib on, with a Muslim headdress? The automatic thought that somebody's going to think is what? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's terrorist, right? We're, we're going to automatically say terrorist. One of the things that we have instituted in this country is been ingrained discrimination. I mean, Sean, Sean Yates, have you ever have you been in that situation where you feel like eyes are on you? If you, I mean, when you you go into some place, I mean, you're you've got friends in Bowling Green, Louisiana, all over Pike County, Illinois, or Missouri, but do you see yourself? Have you experienced that kind of, you know, where you've almost had to say, hey, it's okay. I, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but I mean, what what are some areas that, that you have faced in the area of discrimination or have you seen that? Are you, because I know you're a very engaging guy that wants to, 
you, you're very uh you're you're out there and you 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 put a lot of people to ease who know you but i mean what what's some things that you've experienced in in your life yeah it's just like especially throughout my younger life it's very tough sometimes because um it was very tough sometimes, I should say. Like, there was a lot of moments where I had to just bite, bite cheek, bite tongue, because um, some people just have preconceived notions about certain topics or certain people. And it's just really tough sometimes. Like, I think it all comes down to, we've been talking about like generalizations, that people are making generalizations about a certain race, certain kind of people. And it all comes down to what we've seen in the past, what we've seen before, and like what we're taught. And there was many times just where, like for the specific example, is the the riots and the protests for Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to be honest, like before I came to campus here, I was strictly on the side that peaceful protest is the only right option in my eyes. However, after talking to many Black people who have lived in the city and have taken part in protests before, it started like making me like, not, I'm not going to say I necessarily agree with it, but just hearing the viewpoint that we've been silenced for decades, years, centuries. And what has peaceful protest got us? It's got us more times on the news where we're seeing black men shot and killed. So it's just really hard. It was really hard sometimes like in school and I didn't even know it where it's just you get a there was just a certain viewpoint that like just spread throughout the whole area like wildfire and that was the right one just because we didn't have that diversity that variety back at home where i'm from and that was what was taught so yeah it's just very tough isn't it, uh, is sometimes it, isn't it is it i mean is it a it, i know it is a problem but you mentioned a very good point there of how and Sean and i talked about this last week we are not, I mean, we have short memories. We, I mean, we are literally one, I'm one generation removed. You guys are two. I am one generation removed from the civil rights movement. Okay. My dad was in the military when the Little Rock Nine were escorted in to school, the desegregated school. He was on. He was he was stationed in Fort Polk, Louisiana, and he was on call to go to uh, to Little Rock to make sure that those kids got to school. And we have a very short memory of how systematic we still. I mean, because that that's still being passed down to the next generation. And I think one of the things that. I hate to say more of the conservative news sources are are trying to push is that there's not a problem anymore and that and that you know and you vilify and they they a lot of them vilify groups like Black Lives Matter to say okay well, all people in Black Lives Matter are bad that's that's like saying all Christians are bad I mean like well you know I can't, you know, the what, Westboro Baptist Church here, the ones who protest the veterans' funerals and stuff like that. And that's like saying, you know, you can't, because there is, there are people within the Black Lives Matter group who seek to bring awareness to what the problem is, I think. And some people have just totally 
went off the reservation and and vilified those groups. I mean, do you do you feel that, Sean? Yates. Oh, yeah, I definitely feel what you're saying. Um, yeah, I feel like everything you said just it literally is like the generalization, like you said, like we're just vilifying the whole group because of the actions of some, and like like you said, we have a short memory and like as a nation just because systemic racism is a very big deal and if you think it's not just look at the amount of minorities who are refusing the covid vaccine and i would love to talk about that more if we get into that because i would love to elaborate like why that's the result of systemic racism but um that's that's actually like i'm glad you brought that up and i'd continue your thought i didn't interrupt it Oh, you're good. Yeah. Just, I hope we get into that, but just like, and like you said, Sean earlier with HBCU colleges and people are like, okay, why do they have them? They have them because there's thousands of colleges across the United States that are historically white colleges. Like it's just really hard to say, why are they getting this? And we don't have this with the histories. And then that just leads into generalizations that we are making to vilify these groups. So I completely agree with everything you've said, B. Why don't you go ahead and touch on that, Sean, since you're since since you just mentioned that, go ahead and talk about that with the vaccines while you're on it. Okay. Well, um, just through maps and through my anthropology classes and just honestly like research I've taken on my own, um the the truth of the matter is systemic racism racism is just very as prevalent as it was back like ten like decades ago. And um this COVID virus, as bad as it is it's really just magnified like how bad um, how bad minorities really have it, especially in certain areas. Because in uh, St. Louis city, there are three um, zip codes associated with, and I don't remember the certain zip codes, but there's three zip codes associated with the places don't go there if you go to St. Louis. And ironically enough, those are the places with the highest prevalence of COVID-19, uh, not just COVID-19, um, like getting it, but also the, the highest prevalence of deaths due to COVID nineteen, like, like percentage wise. You, uh, you city, Florissant, and probably uh, Ferguson. The lights keep shutting off in here, but yeah, uh, I don't honestly remember it, but I remember it was two weeks ago, and there was a map, and it's like, yeah, I think I, 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 I think I, I saw that map on on Twitter. Yeah, so you're probably you're probably right in saying those areas because I, it's I, just, I, I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just really sad because like those areas. Okay, so why why are they getting higher COVID nineteen uh, like spreading rates? Well, because of the situations they're living in, like high rates of poverty, high rates of crime. Which I can also get into another discussion about that. Like, why is there a high rate of crime there? Well, the more you patrol an area, the more likely you you to find crime. But also, the worse off you are, the more likely you are to resort to crime. But it's just really tough. But anyways, back on the vaccine. So systemic racism has played a huge role in this just because for those who like don't know, like medical research has stemmed a lot from, at least in the past, stemmed a lot from the black body because the black body used to be seen as tougher and like stronger and able to withstand more. And not even just that, but also as some, like even farther back, not human. So that, I mean, a lot of research came from those, a lot of vaccines came from those. And just the history of that in the mind, that's the reason why a lot of black people or a lot of minorities in general just don't trust the United States healthcare system. And so this vaccine, it, it developed really fast because 
of money. That was like the greatest push towards a vaccine in the history of the world. But it was seen as very fast to minorities that are living in these impoverished regions. And the, the research and the news behind the vaccine never reaches these impoverished regions. All they know is here's a vaccine that came out in two months for this new virus that's been killing many people around you. So they see it as, oh, they're seeing if it works on us, just like the history of this. And they don't trust that. They don't trust that system. So like here we see systemic racism causing people to be more predisposed to dying to this Who, deadly virus. What year was it um, when um, there was a group of black, I want to say it was either airmen or army soldiers who were injected with syphilis. Um, and this was under like, this was a United States like this was in the United States, um, uh, some kind of it was it was researching uh, syphilis, the effects of syphilis in the human body, and these were black individuals. Some were uh, military. That's where they got like the the, uh, the large portion of them were told that it was a vaccine uh, for something, but in fact they were injected with syphilis, and it wasn't until decades later when it came out that it, there, you know this was actually a thing like the I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's actually something like i i have a pretty diverse cast of friends in the st louis area and um oftentimes like in the news like you know when you see shit like see any any of the new god forbid any of them you typically see a lot of you know, conservatives saying, well, all, you know, it's it's liberals that want you to get vaccinated. And then you see on uh, the flip side of the coin, a lot of the liberals are saying, oh, it's just these Trumpers, these Trumpeteers that don't want to get, you know, vaccinated. And if you don't want to get vaccinated, you're an idiot and you're killing all the people around you. You're, you're you know, you're selfish. But it's like, just like the 2016 election, there's a large silent majority of people that aren't, you know, really wanting to bring up their vaccination status or lying about their vaccination status because, A, they don't want to be judged by the wrong group. But also that's a big thing that I, again, my circle of what I've seen are a lot of people that I know that are black are, are very adamantly against the vaccine. Again, that's just my group that's not like that's everywhere in, in the United States, but way more common than um, anything else that I've, I, I've kind of seen before when it comes to stuff like this, like very adamantly outspoken, like, uh, you know, naturally conspiracy theories were something that I would see like amongst certain, you know, people, but, but like, you know, this was like the first time I, I, I've got a, a friend from New York that's very adamantly against the vaccine and he's constantly daily sharing different things like from the u.s like uh, you know that has happened in the past and he's like what's any different what's any different about this shit that we're seeing now and like i think about that a lot like again when we go into like way more in-depth things like mk ultra which was a real cia government funded research that involved the raping and sexual abuse of children and brainwashing and drugging individuals and that was a real program like that is documented that is that is real so why you know it's not so far-fetched that people would be concerned about other things even though it's 2021 you know like it, it's it's not that crazy you know it, it it really isn't um and then again like you had said sean talking about how this was the fastest 
pushed vaccine that we've seen, it's also uh, made a lot of people a lot of money. Um, I shared a, a statistic with with uh, Andy a while back that that went over that showed the stock changes for Pfizer, for Moderna, for Johnson and Johnson, and the amount of money that stockholders made within those companies. And it, it begs to show, you know, how many of our house reps that have been pushing the vaccine had bought in on these companies before uh, they were announced that, you know, they were going to be the ones developing the vaccine and, and before um, prices skyrocketed. I, I bet there's a lot of fishy shit like that, that you're, we're not seeing um, behind the scenes. Definitely. So do you, there was a lot of money made. So Sean, do you, do you feel that, do you feel like the, do you feel like the African-American community? So you, I want to go back to something that you said earlier, their lack of trust for, for the American, I mean, just the medical system in general. Do you think that that's one that that is probably the leading cause as to why the, this we're seeing such a spread within the African-American community, or is it just something that, is it, I mean, not having enough people going into these air, to these impoverished areas of St. Louis who aren't, the vaccine just isn't being made available to them or how do you, how, what do you see in here? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with both of those reasons that you mentioned is one, they don't trust it because of the history behind black people and healthcare. And then two, in these impoverished regions, proper healthcare is not being extended to them. Um, it's just, it, it can be reflected across many different health um, policies and health care areas. So, I mean, just for an example, uh, obstetricians or um, people who give birth, like help deliver babies. Um, I did a paper about, not not necessarily those, but they were used in a paper that I made about, um, about healthcare among incarcerated individuals. And a big topic that came out, that came up in my research was, okay, what are the differences between um, obstetrical care between uh, minorities and white women. And the big, like, just the common theme was that black women tend to have a more higher rate of having birth problems or maternal health problems than white women. And, and that also goes for minorities compared to white women. And it just goes to show that like, yes, obviously these black women or these minorities would want to get the proper healthcare they need, but not that's not always available. And I just feel like that's being reflected here in the COVID vaccine, which is, it's kind of funny sometimes because we see some policies trying to account for that as in some states actually put prison inmates at the top of their COVID vaccine priority list just because they knew it would spread faster through inmates. Right. However, it's just funny that some states actually have the what would you call it, the, the knowledge or the, the sight to see like, okay, this is what's going to happen. They're going to spread the most here, but some states otherwise are, you know, it's going to be the rich people. Like we're vaccinating professional athletes who are at the, the, the best shape of their lives, who have the least risk of, you yeah, know, right. having deadly effects, but we're not vaccinating the people who are living under poor nutrition, poor housing, poor environments in general. And I don't know, it, it goes both ways because obviously there's some athletes who have uh, prior health problems. Like you can be rich 
But I mean, I look at Carl Anthony Towns, I feel bad for him every day. He's one of the richest mm-hmm. basketball players, yet his mom passed away because of COVID. So, I mean, obviously there's exceptions. Yeah, there's obviously exceptions, but it's just really sad to see some people getting priority and not others. And that is that is the that is truth to an article that I read uh, earlier this week about. Of course, of course, of all the, I, I have a hard time believing that the government. So the claims that the government has right now, is that close to seventy percent of those who are eligible to get the shot have gotten the shot. And the two areas... Will you repeat that? Will you repeat that one more time? 70% of those who are eligible to get the shot have gotten the shot. Okay, got it. And to me, that I think that, that number's inflated because also in that same report, they reported the two areas that they're having the most trouble getting people vaccinated is, number one, rural areas, and number two, impoverished areas. Mm-hmm. And... And that, to me, that is a, that's a sad statement. If we can't, if we can't get by, and this is, and again, here's the voice of why we're calling this the voice of reason, because we need to present the other side, even though that we all three come from conservative white middle-class America, we all have our upbringings in, in those areas there, somebody has to address the elephant in the room that there is racism that has occurs. Now, that brings me to critical race theory. Now, this is a controversial topic that people are having as a means to educate people about what's going on because we have walked around with blinders on our eyes and as probably the lone person in this room who <laughs> was alive in the 80s, but we walked around with these blinders on our eyes that said, okay, well, there's no racism in America. We're all good. That guy, Martin Luther King, took care of it. We, he, you know, Lyndon Johnson signed the, the Civil Rights Act of 1968. Problem solved. No, problem not solved. Now, just to give our viewers a background, critical race theory, and I'm just going to read this directly from an uh, article in Education Weekly that I pulled up. Uh, Critical race theory is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. I did not know that until I read this. The core idea is that race is a social construct and that racism is not merely the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policy. And it says the basic tenets of critical race theory or CRT emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the 1970s and the 1980s created by legal scholars. Um, a good example is in, and this kind of goes with what you were saying earlier, Sean, uh, Sean Yates, a good example is when in the 1930s, government officials literally drew lines around areas deemed poor financial risk by the banking industry, often explicitly due to racial composition of inhabitants. Banks subsequently refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. Now, the area behind this, and as an educator, this is where and you guys can argue with me on this and I I welcome any comments on this the way I have taught any kind and right now we're actually talking about Native American and our treatment of Native Americans in, in my U.S. history class and I have the point that I approach when I teach history and you guys both had me for all the classes that you could have I know Sean had Sean Yates had me all four years but one of the one of the points one of the tenets that I always approach is Racism 
is a problem. Racism is learned. Racism is a problem that we still have in America. But I think some of these proponents of critical race theory go to the point of saying, all right, African-Americans, you are oppressed and you continue to be oppressed and you can to, this is why you can't succeed. And I think, I almost think that the negative, the wrong message gets put out by certain proponents of the critical race theory when they teach this and it sends the wrong message and it almost sends like an us versus them mentality when what I think it was designed to do was to say, okay, there is inherent racism that is built into the system. We've talked about it already with the COVID, with the COVID issue. We've talked about that, but people don't want to. And I think that it's everybody's putting their blinders on and saying, "Okay, well, we don't have racism in society." All right. So why is it that my father still refers to black people as colored people? I mean, my dad. Granted, he's eighty-seven years old. He's getting close to ninety. But why is that still inherent in the system? Why should it be, you know? I don't look at Sean Yates as a biracial young man. I look at Sean Yates as somebody who I refer to. I've often referred to him, and he's not. He can back me up this. I'm not just saying because he's on here. I refer to him as my little brother. Sean Yates is. That's correct. We have we have been. I have known Sean since he was three three years old, two years old, when I started teaching at Clopton. And I watched him grow up, and he and I developed a friendship over the years. And he befriended, you know, and it's like saying, you know, he he befriended my son when Bryson started coming to school. And I thought it was awesome. I didn't see it as a, oh, it's a biracial kid. No, it was a strong young man who had a strong core of, who has a strong core of values, who's pouring into another young man. I didn't look at it as a biracial man who's pouring into a Chinese, you know, and I know Sean didn't see it that way, but isn't it strange? It isn't. I mean, do you think, and either one of you, Sean's can answer this. Do you think that, I mean, there still is that elephant in the room that people don't want to address and are, and are we addressing it the right way? Let me just put it that way. Are we addressing it the right way? Well, you guys do look alike. So I see why, uh, you, you know, so. he's, he's pretty, he's yeah. prettier, he's prettier than I am. So. Right. Well, okay. So, um, I'll, I'll jump on a quick and before I, uh, go too deep, I just wanted to give a uh, quick shout out to, um, uh, good friends of ours over at four deep sports. Uh, if you guys are in the Columbia Mizzou area, oh, yes. four deep yes, sports yes, yes. group of, uh, a good guys, if you enjoy sports, uh, and being in the know of sports info of what's kind of happening in the NBA football, all that good stuff. And finding out what the best pizza place in Columbia is <laughs> check out for deep sports on Instagram. Yeah. They a couple we, of uh, crazy clapping cats that are, that are having a good time doing that. We're going to try to get some of um, those guys on too. Yes. So on, on to, on, under the topic. So when I think critical race theory, one of the first things that my brain always goes to isn't so much black and white. Um, I always think about Christopher Columbus. Okay. Because it wasn't until like I was out of high school, a little bit in high school. Um, it was known Columbus was a scumbag yeah. known, Yes, but it wasn't taught. Okay. When you are a, up until very recently, we had Columbus day. Now it is known as indigenous people's day. 
right? When I was young, I remember doing projects that celebrated Christopher Columbus and what he did, right? Coming, sailing to America. And I, I again, when you're younger, it, it's, it's funny how a lot of like, I, my memory was he sailed to America. And the, the, the reason why we got the name Indians is because he didn't realize he right. had sailed to a, a new land. He thought he sailed to India, India. hence Indians. Um, and we're taught, and then it, it, there's this jump. There's this big jump from Christopher Columbus landing here to pilgrims. And then also we're taught that Thanksgiving just so happened to be this wonderful feast that happened all the time. It was, it was after that, the settlers and natives were happy and peace was, you know, that's what you're taught as a kid. And then once you jump into, you know, once you get into high school, that's when you start to see, oh no, there was violence. There was continued wars there for hundreds of years that followed. Um, when I think critical race theory, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a tough one to you know because I I I see what you're saying when it's talking about you. If you tell someone consistently you're a piece of shit, you're always going to be a piece of shit. What's that person going to think? Right. They're a piece of shit. If that's what they're hearing, that's what they're believing, right? If their environment tells them that, that's where they're going to be. If if you look at, you know, the product of of where you're from, right? So. Um, if you're, you know, from a rural area and all around you is farmland and you, you're raised in that and you kind of get trapped and that's what you're stuck doing, even though maybe when you were younger, you had ambition to do something else, but because of that, the, the surroundings in which you find yourself, that's what you know, you've become same with like in the inner city or, you know, say like, like Sean had spoken, if like you're around crime all the time, you're going, you might more easily follow into a life of crime than not crime right it's you know nature and nurture right what your surroundings are might be what you become now there are those instances where people don't fall into that but 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 rewind go back to like i mean it was not long ago like again i'm talking this isn't 40 years ago this is 20 years ago when it was like celebrated right celebrated if he made it out of the hood or he made it out of the countryside like he made it. And, it, you know, they're always talking about one person or two people like they made it. But it's one out of thousands or hundreds. Right. With critical race theory, when you talk about. I see why you would be like, man, you don't want people to think like you're you're stuck in this situation in which based off how society dictates, you'll never dig yourself out of that hole. And you don't necessarily want people to think that. Um well, let me. With However, you, it's it's very important that we do address that. You know, Jim Crow didn't end when Jim Crow ended, right? right? Those kind of things continued on and on and on, and you know, as as silly as it sounds, there there is systemic racism in a lot of the things that we see, but you know. There's also a lot of problems with other things. It's not just systemic racism. Like, look at No Child Left Behind. Yeah. Wow. Fucked over a lot of kids. Yeah, it did. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of those things that 
we we don't we don't really think of when we see like it's not so much diving into critical race theory but a story i'll never forget because i saw it, i witnessed it firsthand with two of my friends and i thought i i think i've told this story on this show before i was with my friends tim and malik and we were going to walmart and i'll never forget like i was walking in front of them and a car stopped like it was driving towards us and it stopped for us to cross the street and my friends tim and malik they looked at each other they are both black they looked at each other and like what the hell is that and i was like what and they're like cars don't normally stop for us when we try to cross the road before them they don't and i was like what that not and he's like that then they joke they call that's called the wide away you got the wide away <laughs> whenever you're like walking in front of cars and for me like it's funny i'm like aha you know huh? but then like i think about it and i couldn't imagine that kind of life or when I'm walking down the, you know, the, the, the sidewalk, people don't cross the street because I'm walking towards them. That's, that's not always the case for some people. Well, you, you mentioned this, Sean, I want to, uh, I'm going to try to make it to where you guys can hear this. I hope you guys can hear this. Um, but this was so in some of these school districts that are and especially in especially Illinois, they're very much pushing critical race theory. I want to play this clip. Uh, this was from a June 9th board meeting at Bloomington Normal High School. And uh, I'm going to try to, I'm going to switch over my mic here, see if you guys can hear this. While well, this clip, if one of you guys could give me a thumbs up if you can hear it. Um, and I'll, I'll, you guys will see. I know our viewers at home will hear it, but uh, I'm going to switch over so you guys can hear this. So let's take a, take a listen. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to purposely tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, time up, because I only got five minutes now, five minutes. Two medical degrees. No mom, no dad in the house. Work my way through college. Sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't gonna be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't gonna let you get no, oh, you know you're not gonna be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man gonna keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You going to sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing I'm going to say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their what? Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February comes, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February comes, don't talk about black history. None of y'all gonna sit there and just pretty much pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. When it all comes down to it, the person that's gonna be suffering from this, the ones that's gonna be hurt from this. So I just wanted to play a little bit of that. I know the, we couldn't hear it on our end, but uh, a little bit of what was being said by that gentleman and. Uh, Sean, I don't, know, I don't know if I can send it to you, but basically what this gentleman was saying was his thoughts and feelings were in this in this message was that he thought that there was 
then this guy was a medical, and this is why I was hoping I could get it to play. I'm hoping the if somebody can let me know in our chat that they were able to hear that. I don't know if we were or not. But uh, one of the things that they pointed out in this clip was that he felt like it was teaching, and he was an African-American doctor who was, who had, and he actually manages a medical group within his hospital. And he, he says, you know, I didn't, I met the challenges that were given to me. And yes, uh, yes, our, our history is important. And yes, it needs to be taught. But in his whole, again, that whole argument, thank you, Brooklyn. Brooklyn said she could hear it. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> it'll play, it'll play out great when we play it back on playback. But he was, the point he was bringing out was that it was, it's it's creating a divide instead of critical race theory helping. It's I think and it's again it goes back into the implementation of how it's being put in. So uh, to me, there has to be a delicate balance because if we're not careful with how we implement critical teaching race, I don't even want to call it critical race theory. It is. Rate it is explaining that yeah, you know America is a great country, but I think some sometimes like you were saying a while ago, Sean Phillips, you were talking about how we gloss over some of the negative things that are that are put out there. We don't talk about the fact that Columbus was a d bag. We don't talk about the fact that he brought talk about viruses. He brought two. It's actually, in, in history, we call it the Columbian Exchange, that Columbus brought over all of these sicknesses and viruses that the indigenous people that he came in contact with killed a large percentage of them because they had no natural immunities built to it. And then he takes those, I mean, aside from rape, pillaging, and plundering the, you know, the, the, the Caribbean, that you know, he, he celebrated as a hero when he returns back to Spain. And, and that again, leads to the, the taking of our, the taking of our, uh, continent, you know, by, by people that doesn't even belong to. And, you know, we, up until, you know, in the eighties, I was taught now I was taught and, and the, these were some of the historic, the history teachers who taught me, to be who I am today as a history teacher. I had a history teacher who was brutally honest, honest because in grade school, we painted up all the, you know, we had the coloring contest of the pilgrim and the Indians and the nice, you know, but we failed to mention all of the broken promises and that the picture of, of Native Americans was painted as though well, they were savages and they were these people who, and we gloss over that. But I think there's a... There's a point where we, if we go too far to one side, we're teaching devices, divisiveness. But if we go too far to the other side, then we teach, uh, we teach that why you know that America was fantastic and everything was great and everything was awesome. And that's the challenge for educators today is to approach this on a middle ground and say, look, there are issues we haven't fixed yet. We still have racism and for many people to even acknowledge that we have racism if you if you go down to clopton today and you go down the community well i'm not racist or i'm not discriminatory we have to uh, awaken people to the fact okay and our my pastor preached about this very message yesterday and we talked about okay how can we you know 
well, there's there's these, how can we love people? We can say, well, there's racism and there's all this problem out there. Okay, what can you, you the individual, what can you do about it? Who are three people? And he mentioned this, he challenges, he didn't mention racism by name, but he said, who are three people that you can positively impact this week that you would have not normally reached out to? And I say this to our to our white viewers. Here, here's your challenge this week. Who are three people? And it doesn't have you don't have to be the one that oh we're going to bend over backwards because we're black or whatever. But make yourself socially conscious of. I need to be bridging the gap. What can I do to bridge the gap? What can I do? It can be something as simple as saying, "Hey man, how's your day going? What's been going on? How's your you know how's your school year been going? How's your work going?" And it's things like that. We think that we have to, you know, oh, we got to bend over backwards and kiss their butter. They got to kiss. Our... No, it's it starts by us having conversations. And, you know, I'm, I'm rambling on, but I'll say one more thing and then you guys can whatever you want to say with this. And I've actually shared this with both Sean's before. I, I do lift driving and I do, do lift driving in Springfield. When you go over to Springfield, there are places that you can go to and you're known to get rides. The majority of Uber and Lyft drivers will go over to what's called the White Oaks Mall area, which is southwest Springfield. When you target there, your target group is within like a mile and a half radius of where you're sitting at. They try to get you people right there. I start. I thought, man, I'm, I'm in it for more business and I want to get and I don't care who I drive in my car. And so I would drive, I would go in the exact dead center of town and I would go to the northeast part of Spring. A lot of my rides were on the northeast part of Springfield, which is an economically depressed area and, you know, predominantly black people. And again, I'm not saying this to be braggadocious, but to me, I want to make a point and I, you know, I, I disarm a lot of people, especially when they, black people get into this. And when I take my Dodge Ram 1500 over there to do lift driving and they get all freaked out when they see a, a you know, 6'3", 325 pound black or white guy pull up in a truck and I, hey, how's your day going? How are things going? You know, and automatically you can just kind of see it just, I mean, we have got to cut through this tension of just being open and honest with people. You don't have to have a care. You don't have to carry on a conversation about race. Just carry on a conversation. Sorry, rambled. No, you're cool, man. You're, 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 you're good. Um, I, I did have a, an off topic question for Sean. Um, it kind of goes back to our first, first, first topic. Um, but something that I, I kind of see. So I wanted to get your insight to see if it's something you've ever experienced. As a mixed race um, individual, have you ever, you know, seen discrimination um, from, you know, both sides of of your heritage? Like I, I, a common thing I see amongst individuals that are mixed race, um, I'll see a threat of like you're, you know, not white enough for white people, but you're not black enough for black people. I just kind of wanted to get like as someone that is mixed race if that's something that you've experienced uh in your life one way or the other yeah um it's there's varying levels to it and my and like 
in my honest like viewpoint and experiences uh definitely not like any bias or anything but my honest experience on the white side is definitely worse because when you when you're known to be biracial you're mainly known as half black you're not known as half white so the fact that that that's like the, the preconceived notion when i go to like certain white people they'll be like they'll, they'll see me as black before they'll see me as like you know biracial so obviously that shows up a lot where i'll say something that might be slang or it might just be like i might be taking up the viewpoint of the black perspective like let's say i mean we keep bringing it up blm let's say i take up their side and it's like a heavily conservative person and they'll be like shocked a minute they'll be like wait a sec and then they'll like click with them like oh you know obviously he might have some affection towards that side like already in his head and they'll start clicking with them and then they'll start like watching what they say or they'll watch like okay let me think about what i'm saying let me be a little more compassionate whereas on the black side it really hasn't happened as much but that that might just stem from the fact that the for the majority of the black people i met at a young childhood was were family members because like coming from a mostly white school most of black people I met were either family members or friends with my family members so they already knew like my background they knew my dad and so they never really had those notions um at school here in Washu it hasn't really happened much but every now and then when I tell them I come from a small town of like 400 people and it's like in the country they'll be like okay and I I literally I catch myself saying to them but I'm not country and so like that's just something that's always in my head like creeped into my mind like why do I have to tell them that why do I have to tell them, you know, I'm not country? Because, like, they're already having a preconceived notion when they hear, like, oh, he's from a majorly white area. He's half black, half white. Is he going to be, like, you know, is he, like, on the white perspective of things that are, like, usually div divisive between the two races, you know? So, I don't know. I catch myself saying that, and it's it's. I hate that I say that sometimes because I'm just, like, I really just cause another divide by saying I'm not country. But, you know. By the yeah, way, that's, by, that's by the way, Sean, your say hi to your mother. By the way, Sean, she is watching. Sean Yates, your mm -hmm. mother is watching tonight. I gave her the link to to listen to. But hello, uh, mom. <laughs> but uh, no, and she was wanting to say she want. She said, "I wish I could answer Sean's question about both sides and racism." I'm I told I'm hoping she can get a text to me here quickly, and we can put it on here. Um, but you know. <clears throat> I I think that there are it, it is a it is one of these situations where it's it's a it's it's a problem and it's an issue with I think this predetermination by a lot of people that oh my gosh black you know I within and I'll speak to this within the adoption community and we'll we can start wrapping up but I have two families here we have two families in Pike County or Missouri that, and I, I'm not going to identify these people because I didn't get their permission, but we have two families within Pike County, Missouri, who have adopted white family adopting black children. And they're both connected to me educationally. And I know, and one of the first things that is brought up, we wouldn't, all the, all the, you know, they, and they said one of the challenges they have as white parents of a of a of an African American child is 
we we teach our kids to be respectful and and I mean I know I've known I've known all three of these children since they were since they were brought home from the hospital and, and the two that were brought home from the were were not from the hospital but from from uh, they were adopted from their places of origin and their parents you know raised these kids up and they're raised up to respect to 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 be the best at what they can do but their their fear is okay what happens when my son who the police officer doesn't know anything about sees my son you know pulls my son over does my son run the risk of you know being shot being targeted because of his color oh here we go uh, here's, here's what your mom said too. Oh, and uh, Sean, you guys can, uh, Sean, your mom says I could take my kids anywhere and they were seen as white. Sean was a toddler and I was pregnant with Shana and of course had to go to the bathroom. We were in a home Depot and the clerk was questioning Scott as if Sean wasn't his black people saw my kids as biracial white people did not. So kind of, kind of what you kind of backed up what you just said, uh, Sean, so, yeah. It's kind of funny, Sean. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll definitely ahead. have to like talk with you more because um, your your mannerisms and how you speak remind me so much of my friend Samwise, who we've had on the show as well. Um, and he's a clusterfuck of diversity. He's Egyptian, Canadian, American. Uh, he's just a <laughs> big meatball of everything. But it's very just. Your, your guys' perspective and, and how you um, see things is extremely, extremely similar. Um, and you can tell that, um, I mean, Sean, I've, I've always known you as a, as, a, as a smart kid. You know, that, that was something a teacher spoke about you. And when I, you know, I was out of high school um, when, when you had kind of gotten into high school, but had always kind of known that you were an athlete and, and smart. Um, which kudos because that's few and far between to be both. So uh, you're you're onto something up there. And and by um, the way, we also mentioned that Sean Yates is one of few students in Clopton history that did not miss one day of school from <laughs> kindergarten to his senior year. He was the good kid, Sean Phillips, who did not skip any school. He brought COVID to school. What are you talking about? <laughs> he showed up sick. Hey. Dang. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I can't. Uh, yeah, no, funny. it just it, it's it's made me funny just just and hearing you and hearing you talk uh, and the thought you put behind it and just based off like I literally could see you searching for getting it out because you had a lot of experience. So um we definitely do uh, appreciate definitely reminds you. me yeah. of 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 Samwise for for someone your age. Um you've you've definitely experienced uh, a lot and and have seen a lot. So uh, kudos to you for for doing the things you're doing, man. It's 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 cool to see, uh, especially, um, you know, when when you have an older brother like V. That's you know just that's that doesn't make it easy at all either. So man, I love him. He knows it. But uh, we do want to thank Sean Yates for being on tonight. Um, I know he's got early football practice in the morning, and he's. I'm sure his coach will be kicking his butt all over the field tomorrow morning, bright and early at 6.30 a.m., so. Yep. It'll be a good Hopefully. 
That would be a good oh, one. Just get yeah. some more cheeseburgers in you, and you'll you'll be a middle linebacker before you know it. So. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to make that move. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, no. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, this was this was um, uh, a really really great episode. Uh, it's nice to um, to especially when we when we speak on race topics to not just have a couple of white guys yelling back and forth at one another. Um, it does it does make it a little bit better, and so that people don't roll their eyes when they're watching it. Like, ah, here's there's two white guys more honkies <laughs> more honkies just talking about bullshit that they know nothing about. So we we appreciate your insight for sure. Yes. Um, most and we do, and we but, do invite you on the topic. We 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 will invite you on again, and when we get to a sports topic one of these years. Yeah, for sure. We'll definitely have to have you on. Maybe like uh, again once once you're not so busy with AM practices and stuff, we'll definitely have you on so we can uh, uh, pick your brain on a couple different things. But yeah, no, this was it was a lot of fun. You're definitely welcome. Just give us a holler if there's anything that you know you see in the news or popping up that you want to get on and chat about. Just Give us a message, man. We'd, we'd absolutely love to have you back on again for sure. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I'll, I'll definitely look forward to being on here in the near future. And Sean, tell your mother yeah. that you love her. Uh, I love you, Mom. And I love you, Dad and Shana, if you are also watching so. <laughs> <laughs> or listening. Nice. But. Andy, is there is there anything you'd like to add before we no, check out of here? This just evening? again, thanks to uh, Sean Yates for joining us tonight. And uh, thanks for the great feedback that we've gotten over the last couple of the, over the last week. And I'm sure we'll please share this, share this video and uh, leave some comments. And we, you know, we always address comments the next week. If we get any additional comments, share this, please share like uh, to your uh, to your Facebook page with your friends, all that good stuff. Yes, and always uh, make sure you guys check us out on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, uh, YouTube, right here on Facebook Live, wherever you guys give us a listen. Uh, we appreciate it. And please, uh, again, like Andy said, share, share, share away, whether it's here on YouTube, or on YouTube Facebook, um, sending the link. Even if it's someone that you just randomly share the link to say, hey, this is a podcast. I think you might like it. Even if, you know, it's just one of your grandparents and you can find a way to sneak it into the nursing home and get a couple of them listening to it. And they'll be thinking that it's just background noise and they'll be pissed off because we're talking about uh, interesting topics. But again, uh, this, this episode was brought to you by Van Beber and Sons DJ services. Again, make sure if you do listen to this podcast and you do decide that you need a DJ for your son's next brie, um, make sure to let him know about this and we'll get you 10% off. Uh, also, American Traditional Coffee at americantraditionalcoffee.com. Uh, 40% off all products are there. So, again, thank you all so, so, so very much for giving us a listen. And uh, we cannot wait to talk to you guys next week.